The following podcast may contain strong language and adult themes and is therefore entirely suitable for Danes of all ages. This is English for Danes. Daisies blooming Sundress swaying in the breeze Can't stop staring. You've put a spell on me. No, Danish. First of all, a trip back in time. I walk into a garage, a gas station, stock up on things to take to a party, put them on a counter, and pay. No bag is offered for the pile, so I ask, Can you hear in. Oops. I've forgotten the word for bag, but I know it sounds a little like the word for sausage. In pulsa. Pulsa. Pulsla. Pussy. Pulsa. The young man standing behind the counter is a goldfish. So I say a few more variations on the word, with different vowel sounds and stress emphasis on syllables, while doing what I thought was the universal gesture for bag. Right hand in fist, at side, move vertically up and down. The goldfish stares at me. No hint of understanding, and certainly no hint of a smile. What could this strange man mean? Presumably sausage didn't break its way into his mind, because although he had some, I wasn't offered one. Eventually, the assistant standing next to him who has been watching but clearly couldn't be bothered helping before now, says, Pusa, or similar, to the goldfish. The goldfish hands over a bag, obviously without smiling. Can I have a bag, please? Would have been understood. But that's not the point. Or is it? We foreigners, the kind of live here, are expected to learn and use Danish, and rightly so. The least we can do is try to fit in, in respecting Denmark's cultural norms, however peculiar we may find them, and speaking their language. Danes appreciate when foreigners try to speak their language. Unfortunately, they are truly rubbish at understanding any word not pronounced exactly, and often have neither the patience nor interest in making an effort to understand. Hello, goldfish boys. A bit unfair, perhaps. We British are typically better at understanding less than perfect, or just crap English, because we're so used to hearing it from foreigners. Visitors to the UK have little choice but to speak English, and when the Brits hold their abroad, they expect to get by in English. As visitors to Denmark, we'll have zero Danish. They'll hope their English is understood. And it typically will be. Brits are also used to hearing native English, which is heavily accented. Indians, Africans, Scots. This, of course, doesn't mean that we understand every word, but we at least try. Danes are comparatively new to hearing Danish spoken imprecisely or heavily accented, or at least don't hear it so often, so they're still crap at understanding it. I remember asking my mother-in-law for something in the kitchen and she thought I wanted an African country. Uh, 
Not just now, thanks. Mind you, she's Norwegian, and also suffered from her Danish not being understood for her first thirty-five years here. Actually, maybe we Brits aren't any better. I remember my mum struggling to initially understand Christine, and then the kids. She'd also give unrelated answers, or look at me all pained and say, I'm sorry, I just don't know what he's saying. Although I understood my kids' English, they grew up with both languages, and sometimes words were a combination of the two. My son's word for car was carbil. I think I'm pretty good at understanding dodgy English, but that's maybe due to having lived abroad for half my life. But the theory still stands, even though I've just completely undermined it. And I found this quote. In 2009, Professor J. Norman Jensen wrote an article, complicatedly entitled, Intolerant Uniformation Threatens Danish. In it, he observed, students in the Danish education system learn that there is only one way to use Danish, the correct one. Students learn that as adults, they can turn off their ears when they hear anything but correctly spoken Danish. As I rarely produce correctly spoken Danish, I've had many years of watching ears and the rest of the body turn off. I'm not a great example of a foreigner moving to Denmark and embracing the Danish language. I turned up not expecting to hang around too long. I did Copenhagen in a day, Zealand in a month, and then it got too dark and cold to venture further than the local pub for the next four months. Then the sun reappeared. I ticked off anything else Denmark had to offer, and thought, that'll do. Then I met Christine. I may be a language teacher, but I'm pathetic at learning other languages. I constantly question the why of things, rather than just accept that's the way the language is. I do exactly what I tell my students not to do. I've also tried what everyone suggests I try. Just practice with Christine. Use her. I slaved my way, making copious notes, through the same Learn Danish book, used at language centres. After a while, I was convinced my name was Mohamed Petrovich, and I could tell you everything you'll ever need to know about the Danish Immigration Service. I would ask Christine about stuff, and she would patiently explain, as far as she could. She would correct my pronunciation, a conversation that typically was on the lines of men. No, men. Men. No, men. That's what I'm saying. It's the same. No. Listen, I am bloody listening. Sorry about that. I soon established that I simply couldn't hear the difference between some sounds. I also think, like many other apparent thickies, that the Danish d sounds like l. It's like your soft th sound. Well, stop saying l, then. The Danish r, yeah, I won't even bother trying, is simply beyond my tongue's ability. The Danes take great pleasure in asking you to say whatever, red porridge with cream, full of R's, soft D's, and a vowel sound that doesn't exist in English. I replied by saying, try this. 
the rural ruler's expertise in analysis, initiatives and maintenance of his variety of valuable vegetables was a decisive component in solving the foreign crisis. I don't, but I should. It makes just as much sense as red porridge with cream. Hulk called Miss It's apparently how it's supposed to be said. Thank you, enthusiastic guest speaker. My least favourite place names in Denmark are next to each other on the S-train B line heading west out of Copenhagen. Unfortunately, my son played football against one of them in the spring. He's away at Villero. Where? asked Christine. Villero. A dismissive. Never heard of it. Villero. Oh, for Christ's sake, have vid over When I first arrived, S-trains had voices, hopefully informing us where we'd arrived and what the next stop would be. I taught English all over Copenhagen and spent a lot of time on S-trains and a lot of time thinking I was on the wrong train. What? I would friendly look for signs on station platforms when pulling in. I simply couldn't connect the pronunciation of the station with how it was written. Villeroy. Leicester Station. Rrrr. Yes. The two mature women, one a photographer, one a psychologist, can't and won't work abroad. Touché. Yetta bought a bicycle and a yacht, which she launched off southern Jutland on Wednesday. She's now comfortably in debt. Take that. And this. John wore gloves, logically, to defuse the bomb in London's Dog and Duck pub. Interesting. Not interesting. And worth remembering. But you won't remember the pronunciation of these words, so, if you're a little odd, I suggest you listen again, write them all down, find a random British English speaker in a bar, buy them a pint, then go through the words with them. I've always thought this is the very, very best way of making friends. I actually had one non-Danish student who lived in Vidural, and he told me, and I believed him, that he would get into a taxi and say the name of a nearby area he could pronounce and could walk from, as he knew the taxi driver wouldn't understand him. He should have written it down. This was a while ago, clearly, in the good old days of paper and an abacus. I employed this tactic while travelling around China. Some helpful soul would see my confused face in a bus terminal and would ask me where I wanted to go. They'd scribbled a destination in Chinese characters on my hand so that I could show it to the driver. On one occasion, a little old lady took pity on me and said, Follow me, follow me. It was like entering Narnia. I followed her onto a bus and off we went. She then seemed to forget me. When she got off, I followed. She didn't look at me once and disappeared into a house. Oh, helpful. We native English speakers aren't known for our foreign language skills. As a fourteen-year-old, given the choice of continuing with French or German, or dropping them, I dropped them. I regret that now, but speaking French and German wasn't a huge thrill for me at the time. 
From my two years of German, I can tell someone where the castle is. Sort of. Du gehst hier gerade raus, bis du links, bis du rechts und sie bergst und sie rechten Seite. I'm certainly full of errors, and totally useless, unless I position myself where the castle is. Indeed, straight ahead, then left, then right, and on the right-hand side. Not that I'd understand the person asking for directions in the first place. I had three years of French, and then a French girlfriend for seven years. But my French is terrible. Arrête, Garrett. Stop it, Gareth. It's drilled into my brain. Oh, there's not a great deal else. Besides my very minimal French and German, I remember a few words and phrases from my time teaching in Russia, Portugal and Poland. I've always tried to use the language I know, but my brain typically goes into meltdown when something more than the standard phrases like Can I have a coffee, please? is required. Once, in Portugal, a car pulled up next to me and wound down its windows. I assumed the question wasn't going to be how much and prepared myself to give directions. I led down, listened to the question. Remarkably, I both understood the question and knew the place they wanted to get to. I then gave a set of directions that was a ripe pig's ear of Portuguese, English and French, smiled awkwardly, stood up again, and walked away. Pathetic. Christine just said to me that the most Danish she hears me speak is when holidaying abroad, to Italian waiters and such. Brain says, foreign language required. Then meltdown. Yes, hi, we're clear. Hello. Can we have dos cervejas, por favor? And, uh, glasnos, du gehst dir gerade raus, so fully. Duck. A natural talent of languages, I am not. After my initial efforts at learning Danish, I didn't make a concerted effort for years. I simply didn't have the time, energy, or indeed brain capacity to learn one language while teaching another, coupled with meeting the demands of two kids. I've always spoken to Christine and the kids exclusively in English. They naturally speak to each other in Danish, and in English if I'm present and they need me for something. So yes, there were many years when I had little idea what they were saying to each other. I suppose it's a bit bizarre to not understand your kids, but it's never really been a big issue, and sometimes no bad thing. Luckily, they've never frozen me out by refusing to speak English. And, besides, I've rarely had the urge to contribute in Danish when the response is typically them bursting out laughing, followed by, No, you're so cute! As a result, the kids are fluent in English, so my sacrifice, laziness, has set them up nicely for the future. Not that they're miles ahead of their peers, at all. Danish kids start learning English very early, and grow up surrounded by English, in music, on TV, gaming, on YouTube, TikTok, etc., and even from their parents and friends, throwing in English words and expressions mid-sentence. Blah, blah, you name it. Blah, blah, it goes without saying. On oh, the fuck? Is that all right? F-word again? Oh, maybe. F-word. Go with the flow. Just sit in a cafe here and count the number of times you hear an English phrase in an otherwise Danish conversation. Very exciting. Although younger Danish kids may understand little of the English they hear, all this exposure builds up their passive language 
and helps their appreciation of the sound, intonation and rhythm of English. A Brit's passive Danish will probably consist of score, though I doubt they'll know it's Danish. When I taught teenagers in Poland, Portugal and Russia, they had a decent grasp of English grammar, but they couldn't say much. That was the approach. Learn the foundation first. A daft approach, as getting a message across, however error-strewn, is far more important than knowing why we use the present perfect continuous. But these kids, and those from France, Spain, Germany, Italy, China, get nothing like the exposure to English Danish kids get. To give just one example, when I was living in Russia and Poland, all foreign programs were dubbed, often with one man doing all the voices, and in the same voice, particularly surreal when a little girl is talking to her grandma. So Danes should pat themselves on the back for their exceptional English skills, but should also remember that just because they learnt English without too many problems, at least to a conversational level, others haven't had such an early advantage. And some of us arrive in Denmark when our brains are no longer sponges. Of course, not all Danes are comfortable in English. The older generation, who learned German at school and before the mass exposure to English, and those who have never needed English for their jobs. Forget that. But it's still rare to meet someone with hardly any English, my father-in-law being one. I don't even want to single out the older generation. An elderly neighbour of ours died recently, and we went to a drinks and cakes do in her memory. The level of English of her similarly aged friends was astonishing. I also have numerous street exchanges with elderly dog owners. I've read that Danes don't like you greeting their dogs. Is that true? Not my experience. I always bend down, give it a stroke, and make some comment. A typical one from the other day leads me to another point. For Gamelan, one year. No, no, so sir. Yes, she clearly likes you. And there we have it. Foreigner attempts to speak Danish. Dane replies in English. It's not important, however much you feel you've nailed the pronunciation, to Dane's ever-present foreign alert sounds, and boot, straight to English then you, as the foreigner, can choose to persist in Danish, if you can, I often can't, and the conversation continues with both people speaking the other's language, which is a bit odd. I always just surrender and switch to English. It's not that I'm concerned about making mistakes in Danish. I really don't care. It's more that it's probably easier for them to speak English than try to understand my Danish, and if they want to practice... Or show off their English? That's fine with me. Besides, if they did answer me in Danish, there's a good chance I wouldn't understand. They'd probably know this too. Foreigners are encouraged, told to practice. I agree. But when your Danish is always replied to in English, or you simply get Velp as a response, it's hardly a motivator and makes practice somewhat tricky. One time not to practice your Danish is when phoning SCAT, the tax authorities. Things need to be understood. Phoning SCAT is one of my pet hates. Hours are spent watching the clock tick by as I sit on hold being passed from one person to the next. What's the point in offering an English language option if the second you get through, 
you passed on to a non-English-speaking person, and then another, until you finally get someone who understands you but can't handle your inquiry. Poor Christine. She spends far too much of her time trying to explain Denmark's bureaucratic labyrinth to her thick husband. She struggles to understand it herself, has her own fair share of futile phone calls, and all she gets from me is a look of despair, annoyance, and surrender. When our rental apartment was turned into an Endel's Leidhither, we bought it partly using the child's savings I had in the UK. Soon after, Scat came a-knocking. The letter I received took my breath away. It was so bloody rude. Essentially, they assumed, as a starting point, that I was avoiding tax. Documentation was demanded, and the punishment and next steps were made crystal clear. I replied in a relatively friendly way, explained that Scat had no claim on this money, sent them the documentation, and took the opportunity of suggesting the sender write future letters in a less accusatory tone. The reply, this time in English, was slightly less rude, but they still wanted more proof that I wasn't a criminal. As I was teaching an English course at Scat at the time, at the same location as the sender, I suggested I pop round to her office after the next class, and there I met a lovely, understanding, very friendly soul. Danes are direct. Danes don't bother with pleasantries in official mails. Hidden behind a computer screen, or in their cars, Danes can be bloody rude. But speak to a Dane, and typically, they're engaging, friendly, and open. So what the hell is going on? No idea. At some point I'll do a pod on Street Dane, and that may well be one you'll choose to ignore. Scat, by the way, comically doesn't just mean tax authority or just tax. You pay scat. It also means beloved. Hi, scat. Danes love tax. Bit of a detail there. Actually, maybe that's enough for today. I'll continue this deep intellectual dive into linguistics on another pod. Farvel.